You are tuning into the second episode of our series, Sci-Fi. This episode was written by Dr. Anthony Tobia, hosted by Robert Warren Johnson's Medical School's med students, and produced by Mel Issa. In this episode, we psychoanalyze Black Swan, directed by Darren Aronkofsky. To tune into more of our content, check us out at WiccanKnights.com and on YouTube at Wiccan Nights. Enjoy our deep dive and be sure to tune into our next episode. The focus of our clinical attention is Aronofsky's Black Swan. Uh, any particular scene, um, <clears throat> character, any place the group would like to start. I think at the beginning, um, there was like right after, <clears throat> right after like the first like rehearsal or like the audition, there was the scene where she went to like the bathroom and she was like, it was like foot down, it was covered. Bathroom stall. Right. Okay. Uh, um, scene prior, what happened? Um, if I remember correctly, uh, it was like, she was in a high stress situation, she was like doing the rehearsal or the audition, I think it was the audition, right before, for like the casting of the Swan Lake production. Mm -hmm. So it was like high stress, um, I think she wasn't tapped to be a part of continue on with the rehearsal, so it was um, <coughs> maybe like a feeling of worthlessness. Kind of stemming from that, so mm -hmm. the need to make like, purge or what she was doing. Right. And, and, and what you identified in psychiatry, psychology is often referred to as a precipitant. Uh, so we, we are observing behavior in that bathroom stall, and clearly something happened in the scene prior that may have precipitated the behavior uh, that we observed. Uh, anything else about the behavior? Did you notice which way her feet were pointing? That was towards the toilet? Yeah. So why would a woman stand in a urinal or a stall with her feet toward the toilet? So I think there's more than enough evidence to suggest uh, that she was purging, right? So uh, now, purging behavior <clears throat> in a vacuum uh, can be normal. Uh, however, in the context of other signs and symptoms, observations um, might be the contrary. And given the scene prior, uh, there is evidence to suggest that this is a, a stress reaction uh, and, it, and in and of itself might be part of a larger disorder. And that begins our differential diagnosis to maladaptive purging behavior. Now, for uh, examination purposes, uh, purging behavior does not allow for differentiation among the eating disorders. So the three most common types, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder can all have binge eating and purging behavior. So unfortunately, our discovery of this, while it might focus uh, this group on a particular chapter of the DSM, that is the eating and feeding disorders, does not necessarily allow for that proverbial single best answer just yet. We still wanna focus on <clears throat> our attention on mom's behavior as it relates to Nina. And now begin to hopefully develop some empathy about what Nina has been enduring for years and continues to endure uh, in this family dynamic. <clears throat> um, I think at the very surface, at the very least, uh, most of us have uh, observed what is often referred to as restricting behavior, right? So um, now this kind of sheds a little bit of light on maybe anorexia nervosa. Uh, in anorexia nervosa, there are uh, two subtypes. Uh, one happens to be binge eating and purging, uh, previously discussed, and the other happens to be restricting, where Individuals may demonstrate behavior observed in the cake scene. If an individual demonstrates both, binge eating and uh, purging subtype takes precedent. That is the default. That actually is more important, even though it might be both.
Um, let's talk a little bit about the subtypes. Individuals, unlike Nina, who appears to have both, um, who only demonstrate binge eating and purging behavior may have other characteristics that are uh, usually comorbid. Anybody have any guesses as to some comorbidities of anorexia nervosa, binge eating and purging subtype? Substance use disorder? Yeah, yeah. So impulsivity in general, uh, and of course substance use disorder is a, an easy example, and yes, is a significant comorbidity. Is there any evidence of that in this movie? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's certainly an, ec uh, an ecstasy um, uh, um, scene in terms of um, her interaction with uh, the other ballerina, but uh, it, it certainly requires further inquiry, but on the surface, at least, it looks as if there's no pre-existing condition. This looks to be uh, exp uh, her experimenting and maybe even experimenting for the first time, but it certainly requires uh, a little bit more in-depth Q&A from the psychiatric evaluation. Okay. What other um, characteristics are often comorbid with the binge eating and purging subtype? Depression. Depression, yep. Um, anxiety, yes. Uh, anxiety more so with the other subtype, though. The other, the other biggie to consider is the cluster B personality disorders. Right, so uh, binge eating B, cluster B, right? Which of course also hallmark impulsivity. So what are the cluster B personality disorders? The personality disorders um, are listed in the DSM 10 plus or minus, uh, one which was previously categorized as cluster A. Schizotypal personality disorder has been reclassified in the schizophrenia spectrum and related disorders chapter of the DSM. Uh, three clusters, three groups. Uh, uh, nonetheless, cluster B um, categorizing four conditions. One is called borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and histrionic personality disorder. Those are your four cluster B personality disorders, clustering meaning that they actually tend to have overlapping signs and symptoms that are shared, and, and, and therefore, in a clinical sense, from a clinical perspective, uh, could lend to some difficulty with diagnosis. Binge eating and restricting, the other subtype is the restricting subtype. Uh, in restricting subtype, you have more uh, anxiety spectrum, uh, including cluster C personality disorders. So we think of mood dysphoria, um, more comorbid with the cluster B. You had said depression. You said anxiety. That's consistent with the cluster C personalities, all of which are of high comorbidity with the restricting subtype. The cluster C personalities include the obsessive compulsive personality disorder, avoidant personality disorder, and restrict, excuse me, dependent personality disorder. Any other observations here? Um, uh, cake scene and then anything beyond. Hallucinations. Hallucinations. What, uh, what did you see to think that there was uh, perceptual disturbances? to peel her spur off the finger and she was bleeding but the next scene was uh, the finger is intact actually okay. and the other is when she was taking a bath and she suddenly saw some blood and then the next scene is just there's no blood in water okay uh, for perceptual disturbances differentiate for me an illusion from hallucination, more specifically a visual hallucination. 
So visual hallucinations are perceptual disturbances that are not cued by anything in one's immediate environment, while illusions are perceptual disturbances that are uh, misidentification of something in the individual's immediate environment. So will we categorize Nina's perceptual disturbances in both these scenes as an illusion or visual hallucination? Hallucinations. So you don't think there was anything that cued other scenes here. So we have her hallucinating. We have her binge eating and purging. We have her restricting. We have her using drugs for whatever that's worth. Also stealing. Stealing. She's stealing something like um, lipsticks mm -hmm. from Dad. So I think that maybe related to the like delusional disease, the jealous type. Okay. So um, for delusional disorder, there are five subtypes, jealous subtype being one. Uh, what are the other subtypes? The acronym is JPEGS, J-P-E-G-S. Grandiose. Yeah, grandiose, good. Erotomatic. Good, erotomatic. Um, persecutory, mm -hmm. somatic. And somatic, good, perfect. Uh, so we have some jealousy and envy uh, which might be in the context of a delusion and therefore might be indicative of delusional disorder. Um, more specifically, as you mentioned, delusional disorder, jealous subtype. Um, one of the concerns here is that if she actually rules in for delusional disorder, if we were able to meet with Nina and if we were to um, uh, allow her to express her frame of mind at or around the time of being in that dressing room and stealing that lipstick, if it is true that she had a thought that was not reality-based uh, and therefore likely suffering a delusion, uh, in addition to the perceptual disturbances, this is not likely delusional disorder. That is, the delusion might be in the context of yet another larger disorder, and that would put us in the psychotic disorders chapter, more specifically the schizophrenia spectrum and other psychotic disorders chapter of the DSM. So something to consider. Uh, might Black Swan be a first break episode of an individual with schizophrenia? Right? Just a, uh, a diagnostic inquiry. Other observations. So we have delusions, we have perceptual disturbances, binge eating, purging, restricting behavior. So if these are, if these feelings, these thoughts are not reality-based, now she's demonstrating persecutory delusions as well, meaning that if, and I don't think this is true, but hypothetically, if this were to be delusional disorder, so if we were to rewrite, Faranowski and us got together in a little bit of a think tank and had some fun with this, and we kind of edited uh, the director's cut type of version and edited out those perceptual disturbances to make this a cleaner, delusional disorder, it would be delusional disorder mixed type, where an individual has uh, more than one of the uh, themes that are prevalent uh, during the uh, current episode. 
All right, so um, a brief overview again of anorexia versus bulimia versus binge eating uh, disorder. Uh, so the one thing that we have to remind ourselves <clears throat> is that uh, generally speaking, the eating disorders are misnomers. That, that is, the way they usually come to clinical attention is through aberrant eating behavior, but they really have little to anything to do with eating, right? Um, these are self-image disturbances. These are really self-image disorders. <clears throat> and <clears throat> anorexia nervosa is the top of the list. So first and foremost, what you have to understand is that anorexia uh, is defined through a fear of gaining weight despite being underweight. That is really the core sign of anorexia. Uh, that is not apparent in bulimia, right? Bulimia itself um, uh, is actually defined through behaviors, period. And of course, those behaviors are binge eating and purging behaviors. That's not the case for anorexia. So first and foremost, um, subjective, objective. Subjectively, we have to ask our patients, um, is there a fear of gaining weight? Objectively, are they underweight? Because if the answer is a yes to both, it's likely anorexia. If the answer is no to both, now you're talking about, or now you're focusing on bulimia. Bulimia is also a self-image disturbance, but it's a self-image disturbance resulting in this compensatory behavior that is defining of the illness, specifically the binge eating and purging episodes. Right, two to three times a week over two to three weeks. Right. Um, and then you have this third uh, syndrome called binge eating disorder, which looks like bulimia, but the actual binge eating and purging is not a result of uh, compensatory mechanism. That is, there is no self-image disturbance. It's behavior for the sake of behaving. Uh, but the behavior across the board similar to anorexia and similar to bulimia causes clinically significant distress or impairment. That's true across all three of these conditions. All right? So again, anorexia, a fear of gaining weight despite being underweight, uh, which of course can manifest through binge eating and purging behavior. That is one of the subtypes. Bulimia, while it certainly shares that very same behavior and also is a self-image disturbance, has a form of compensation that is binge eating and purging that becomes defining of the illness. That is, the fear of gaining weight despite being underweight is absent. And then third and final, well not really final, the third most common eating disorder, binge eating disorder, is just that. It's binge eating, but the binge eating itself has nothing to do with compensation for a, uh, a distorted body image because a distorted body image is not part of the definition of binge eating disorder. So it looks like our, our main character is afflicted with anorexia nervosa um, and it's probably binge eating and purging subtype because it's probably both, which means the single best answer will be binge eating and purging subtype. Co-occurring illness for Nina. As far as nobody's, uh, nobody's brought up dissociative identity disorder. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of think that she has prominent mood symptoms also. Yeah. Like, I actually think that bipolar disorder with psychotic features should be explored. I also think that it's like a metaphor for the mood, like the white swan and black swan. Because in the black swan, she seems like she has kind of like grandiosity. Um, I, don't, I don't know if she's not sleeping, but she's up at night a lot. 
um, and it's for like a sustained period of time, at, at least a few days. Um, I re remember she like, she kisses the director like like off stage, like she has that like grandiosity. She's impulsive. Um, so I think that should be considered. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I would even go so far more than considered. I, I think it would, I don't want to say it would never happen where a psychiatrist would not do it, but it, it, it would be highly unlikely that a board-certified psychiatrist would think not to evaluate for bipolar here, uh, including the atypical onset of her illness, meaning that she's a little young um, to have a first episode of depression. Now, can she actually be depressed at about 23 years of age? Absolutely. But uh, we also understand that there is a, uh, a likelihood that an individual that age presenting with a uh, altered mood state might actually be presenting with a depressed episode of bipolar disorder. It's something that has to be very high in your differential here. Right? Now, uh, line of questioning, psychiatric assessment, of course, would be uh, dig fast. Um, have you ever experienced uh, these constellation or this constellation of symptoms at all? If the answer is no, the inevitable question you're going to get back, Nina and or her mother, is, but Doc, does that mean she might have a manic episode in the future? And the answer is, we don't know. There's no way of predicting. Now, of course, the likelihood would increase if there's uh, any family history of bipolar. But beyond that, I mean, um, you know, we have to review the signs and symptoms of mania, dig fast, and make sure that the patient and or family uh, knows to call the office uh, with any concern uh, that those signs and symptoms are manifesting because her depressed episode might actually be the way in which her bipolar illness is presenting. Most people will present with a depressed episode first. And at that, that age, that's something to consider. All right, um, any other characters you want to take a look at other than Nina? Yeah, you know, in psychology, that might often be referred to as an enmeshed um, mother-daughter or um, uh, mother-child relationship here. Um, and certainly that is consistent with what we have identified as the etiology of anorexia nervosa, right? the over-enmeshed um, parent, the intrusive parent, uh, resulting in personality variables that are often, again, characteristically comorbid with eating disorders in general and anorexia in particular. Um, the opposite dynamic is usually seen in bulimia where it's more of a re rejecting parent and there's emotional distance. So uh, this is much more consistent with anorexia nervosa. So one other, one other character that I think we need to just briefly touch on and that's Lily's father, right? So there's a reason why he's not in this script. Again, now for the normal moviegoer, yeah, the reason is that the director decided not to write in the father, right? No, it's not right. In medicine, this is called a pertinent negative, right? So where's that? I mean, because there's a 100% likelihood that that's a, very, it's a question 
that any psychiatrist will ask Lily during a psychiatric evaluation. I think mom did push him away, but I, I don't necessarily think it's for reasons that appear obvious. Um, if there was some kind of transgression in that house that mom discovered and therefore knew of, she may have kicked him out. And if that is the case, early childhood trauma, uh, we actually now have now uh, another etiology that we have to consider. Certainly a focus of psychotherapy for someone who is looking to get help for anorexia nervosa. And especially if we see aspects of this movie, certain scenes that appear that, uh, I almost said Lily, that Nina is struggling with DID or dissociative identity disorder, which again, in its etiology, um, would likely include severe uh, sexual trauma. So something to consider. Um, and, and with DID being a possibility, and therefore sexual trauma being a possibility, um, we have to look through that lens when we ask, where is dad? And I don't think an answer of, well, no, it's okay, because the writer-director just decided to not include him. There's just no way that we, we would find that acceptable. Pertinent negative. Right. Which then explains the reaction she has to her director doing what he does, which is probably something she's seen before, experienced before. So uh, in closing, um, and I, I wish I had the date, I probably could look this up. I want to say at or around 2012, a second year medical student who was the representative for the psychiatry interest group, now called Praxis, came to me and asked if uh, she could host a movie. Uh, that um, I could help facilitate a discussion about uh, to certainly um, conjure interest, to foster interest among second-year and first-year medical students that were interested in behavioral health. Um, at, at the time, she um, picked Black Swan, and it was from that actual event that we created Fiddler. That was our first Fiddler movie, that, even though we didn't know what Fiddler was back then. Fiddler now is a monthly movie club for third and fourth year medical students, longitudinal credit, where in the East Lecture Hall on a monthly basis, we now watch a selected film and have this type of discussion, albeit over Twitter, during the movie. Uh, but Black Swan was our first, um, even though we didn't know it back then. So we'll close with that. This episode of Tales from the Asylum was written by Dr. Anthony Tobia and produced by me, ML Issa, with research by students and trainees at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson's Medical School. Tales is just one of our courses that sits at the intersection of behavioral medicine and pop culture. You can learn more about Tales and the rest of our curricula on our website, WickedNights.com, and YouTube channel, Wicked Nights. Be sure to receive notifications about our upcoming events. Just search for us on Twitter and Instagram and click that follow button.